And now, from the dark corners of the internet, where exploits run wild, packets aren't the only things that are getting sniffed, and the beer flows steady, it's Paul.com Security Weekly! Sponsored by Tenable Network Security, the creators of Nessus, the world's best vulnerability scanner. Tenable Security Center extends the power of Nessus to reporting, passive vulnerability scanning, log correlation, and much more. Tenable, a unified security monitoring. Core Security Technologies, helping you penetrate with your network. Rock out with your exploit out. Listen to this podcast and qualify to receive a 10% discount on Core Impact the world's best penetration testing tool. Trustwave Spider Labs. They've evolved a 160-legged international roaming net-crawling hybrid bug hunter with 80 pairs of eyes, 80 heads, and over 2,000 fangs. To learn more about how they can help your organization, visit trustwave.com forward slash spider labs. And sponsored by NWN Corporation's Star Team. Providing vulnerability scanning, penetration testing, risk assessments, and regulatory compliance review services designed to fit any organization and any budget. Helping your organization's security go from good to great. Visit us at nwnstar.com. Now give the intern control of your botnet and pour yourself a big old frosty beer. Here's your host. He's a few no-op sure of an exploit, is known at the kill bit at parties, and his return pointer always points to 0x414141, Paul Asadorian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Paul.com Security Weekly, where we cannot control our geek level, or horny level for that matter. I am joined in the studio by, of course, Mr. Larry Pesci. Yay! Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second here. Uh, oh, here we go. Larry, Larry, Larry found a new soundboard. Uh, oh, wait, here we go. Soundboard fail. thinking about masturbating. <laughs> am I wrong to think that? <laughs> yes. No. Very, very wrong. No. On the soundboards, it's Darren. I don't have a title. Wiggly, welcome, Mr. Darren. I'm yeah. supposed to have a title, right? Supposed yeah, to. Supposed yeah. to. APT. We're still working. We're, you know what? It's a very important thing, Darren. We're waiting for just the right title. Darren. Just, just the, the right Darren, title. Darren, the APT. The Alcohol Providing Technician. Yeah, my way's blocked, so that doesn't work. Oh. It doesn't work. Yes. He can share some of his beer with us, but somehow I don't think the backwash would add to the flavor yeah. of the fine Belgian yeah. ale that we're, we're sampling this evening. <laughs> that Intern we... is Ian is here on the video. Welcome, Ian. Hello, everyone. We had a little stressful. You experienced, I think, your first like stressful time before the podcast. Yeah. When you get naked. That's mostly why it was stressful. Didn't have any body hair. Oh my the god. The best part too is that when 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 Larry's playing that, he's just hunched over over the camera. You see that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just very, very <laughs> hunched. Yeah. Point of having sex, might as well be with me. Well, you know. Oh boy. Speaking of having sex, welcome, Mr. John Strand. Laugh out loud. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Speaking of. Keep telling myself, I love our customers. I love our customers. I love our customers. Yes, yes. Or just no pants. We can just be naked all day. Carlos Perez is here from sunny Puerto Rico. Hey, everybody. How's it going, Carlos? I believe that I'm actually thinking about blanking your blank. (laughs) 
Oh my god. <laughs> someone t- someone mute Apple. Larry's mic. <laughs> Already done. Oh god. No more soundboard, please. I'm done. Oh, we've got a lot of Paul.com Espanol episodes that are going to be released as soon as I uh, release them, actually. They're, being, uh, they're still in process. I apologize for the delay. But I tell you what, if you speak Spanish and you listen to Paul.com, or if you just speak Spanish and want to hear about cool, wonderful things happening in the world of information security, you should tune into Paul.com Espanol. Link is in the show notes. Uh, this oh, Saturday... Yeah. Yes, Carlos, thank you very much, uh, you and Mike Perez, for uh, being the points on that, producing, recording uh, those uh, interviews and uh, segments for Paul.com Espanol. It's very, very exciting. Also very exciting, this Saturday, June 11th, mm-hmm. Larry Mike Perez, possibly interning in because I forgot to ask him and I'm just asking him now what Wait, he's doing what? this Saturday if you'd like to come to B-Sides Connecticut or XCon. Okay. <laughs> in Meriden, Connecticut. In Meriden, Connecticut. Uh, okay. Okay. All all right. uh, he's right. like, uh, uh, okay. Now I'm going. Uh, so uh, we'll all be there. We're driving down together. It's going to be a mad wild road trip. <laughs> Larry and I will be presenting. It'll be great fun. We'll have Paul.com t-shirts. I just got a brand new fresh box of T-shirts from Tenable. I don't know what they say. I don't know what they look like. I don't even know what color they are, but I've got a fresh box of T-shirts to give away. Uh, Ten bucks says they're black. Baby shit brown. No, we did have some blue ones. It's a Nessus perimeter service on them, but, you know, it's kind of a, you know, because we all need more black T-shirts. Of course. So, right. Security Fail Monthly Webcast Secure Protocols Edition coming June 15th with none other than the dark operator himself, Mr. Carlos Perez. Uh, black hat training course is being offered. Paul.com will be offering black hat training in the, uh, well, in or of the topic for the class, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Wow, I need another beer. Is that offensive countermeasures making defense sexy will be a two-day course offered at Black Hat July 30th through the 31st. Each student gets a free hack naked t-shirt and sticker. Tenable Security Training, Advanced Vulnerability Scanning Techniques using Nessus July 30th through the 31st or August 1st through the 2nd. Link to sign up for both classes is in the show notes. Yes, and we've also got uh, late-breaking computer attack vectors coming up at the end of the month. Yes. And end of August, I'm teaching ethical wireless hacking in New York City. New York City? New York City! That makes sense. Get Get a room. Excellent. So, don't forget to read our blog, participate in the mailing list, visit the Paul.com Insider, follow us on Twitter, and watch our videos at paul.com.blip.tv. With that, we've got a fantastic show for you this evening. We're going to take a short break and come back with the feature interview for this show. I would like to welcome Jeremy Zarachak. Code 2600 is uh, is where he did the uh, directing, is the name of the movie, and is billed as the story of the rise of communication and computer technology in the United States, as told through the events and people who helped build and manipulate it. Code 2600 is an exploration of the struggle to protect complex information networks that have shaped our way of life for those who could potentially send cards of house crashing down. It's a criminal and philosophical journey through the human integration of the world within our world, none other than the internet. Welcome, Jeremy. 
Hey, thanks for having me, Paul. Yes, it's very wonderful to have you on the show. And, so, and hopefully Paul didn't butcher your last name too badly. I know. I always get to the part where I have to read the person's last name, and then I go, oh, yeah, I was supposed to ask them how to pronounce their last name before we started the show. So hopefully, well, if it's any consolation, that's the most common mispronunciation of the uh, oh, my feel. last name. It's it's Zuri, the last uh, or the second e is long. It's Zurichak. Ah, I'm very used to it, so no worries. Excellent, excellent. I knew that. I was just you know I wanted to say it wrong so that no one else makes the same mistake. Really, is what I'm getting at. So, <laughs> what prompted you wow. to make a movie about computer security and hacking? Um. Well, it started when I was in Los Angeles and I was in a film festival with my first documentary and I uh, met an individual, uh, his name was Christopher Downs and he used to do intrusion detection uh, for the uh, federal reserve. Mm -hmm. And we were spending, you know, probably about, I don't know, some, you know, debauchery weekend of drinking at an apartment in Los Angeles in uh, North Hollywood somewhere. And uh, he just got, started talking about, you know, everything from phone freaking to, you know, sniffers and how there's all this stuff out there that people really, myself included at the time, are, are very ignorant to and had no idea. And I, and I thought this was really an interesting subject that hadn't been tapped in a serious, you know, cinematic documentary style way. Uh, I had never heard of, you know, a documentary that had, had approached, you know, this overarching range of ideas and a serious, you know, kind of approach rather than of course the sensationalism that you, you know, might catch on 60 minutes or CNN, you know, and, and so forth, which is just kind of fluff. Uh, you know, that's just, get we, stuff and, that they and we out. make fun of that fluff all the time. <laughs> it's, it's, it, and it's quite ridiculous. And, you know, I think it, it also is a testament to how much of, exactly 24-hour news media is fluff and then going back to you know the information age and it security uh yeah th this whole hyped up idea of you know cyber warfare and cyber terrorism and all of these things you know uh that's all you're really going to you know get from a mainstream media there's a lot of and a lot of cyber it, yeah. It, well, yeah, they, they, they love the, to use the catch phrases and terms. And I thought yeah. this was going to be a really interesting subject for me to approach with a, a, a real kind of integrity and exploration uh, of the subject rather than, of course, just picking out what seems sensational and scary. Mm -hmm. uh, so for those listening, I just want to mention that we, we do have about a 10 minute clip, which we're going to air uh, on the show after the interview. So if you're just you're dying to see a sample uh, we do have one thanks uh, to Jeremy, and we're, we're very thankful that you shared that with us um, and our, our sure. listeners and viewers. So when you were, were doing this documentary, um, like how did you start? Like you said, so I want to, you know, take a really good look at what's happening in the, the hacker scene and, and information security. Where, where did you start? Well, I, I started with basically the first person that I had met that had kind of sold me on the subject and – uh, let me, you know, understand that, you know, this was something that needed to be done. Um, you know, from, from a documentary filmmaker's perspective, uh, you know, it just seemed something that affected, you know, every corner of our lives so much again, and was not really represented well in any cinematic piece or any kind of documentary style film. So I started with him. I did an interview with him and through him, he dropped some names to me. 
And then I started just calling people, cold calling, cold emailing. And then certain people, you know, would either be someone that I wanted to interview or would pass me along to another person saying, hey, it sounds like a great project, but maybe you'd rather talk to this person. Mm -hmm. And eventually through this kind of, uh, you know, dark cavernous, uh, you know, tree and branching out from reaching out to people, I finally got in touch with, you know, some of the, the, the real players in the security world, uh, such as Jeff Moss, Bruce Schneier, Marcus Ranum, Jennifer Granick. But it took a while. And, right. you know, I think some of them were very apprehensive mm. about, you know, of course, an outsider spending, you know, an intimate two hours with them on camera because, of course, they've seen, as, as we discussed earlier, the fluff that's already out there that right. doesn't really get down to, you know, what this really means to people. So what were what are some of your thoughts on I mean did you get a lot of insight as to kind of how fragile this whole thing called the internet is that we all know and love and rely upon? Well, I, I think you know, the, the internet is always going to be a lot more resilient than people would like to think. Uh, you know, you you have this this you know fifth common domain this 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 new sphere, if you will, of you know you. Uh, you know, we're used to controlling land, maritime, you know, space. Uh, and now you have this whole new sphere that kind of surrounds, you know, us. And I think that people underestimate the resiliency of it because look at how it's grown from just, you know, 30 years ago. And of mm. course, you know, this all sounds very, you know, uh, elementary, but if the people, I think, lose sight of this idea that there is this kind of uh, other dimension that, you know, connects everyone. And I don't think that by nature, the Internet can really be fragile. I think there's a lot of concerns that I have about uh, having a you know, talk to the people that I have and learned and, and through my research, I have a big concern about legislative interference mm-hmm. and the FCC. And when you have politicians that on Capitol Hill that are walking around like Lieberman talking about shut off switches mm-hmm. and just asinine ideas, it's obvious that like these people really don't have any idea of how this really works or affects us mm-hmm. and Bruce there's, Schneier a series, there's had, a series of tubes that's right well it's not it's well not there you shrunk. go a, it, and, and who wants a cutoff switch for the internet in, in, in the in this likelihood that we are under this you know let's say very you know aggressive you know series of cyber attacks what point does it serve to shut off the internet who does that serve and Bruce right. Schneier has a great point about it it's, says well if you're afraid of burglars robbing your place are you just going to take all your valuable stuff out of your apartment or house and sell it so that there's nothing to steal? Right. And right. that's, and that's very appropriate, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it just is something that, again, uh, the internet isn't going anywhere, obviously, and it's only going to grow and it's only become more integrated and older generations die off. The people that don't understand it will die. Mm. And the new generation, and because that's just how it goes, the, the new generation right. always wins because the old generation dies off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
you and me and, you know, our children, our future children and so forth are, are going to embrace us and become even more of an integral part in their lives. Yep. So who are some of the other people that you uh, had interviewed for the uh, documentary? Um, well, besides, uh, of course, the heavy hitters, which are Marcus Rand and Schneier, Jeff Moss, uh, Jennifer Granick, I tried to fill in the gaps with some um, wild cards. And we have uh, Gideon Lenke of RA Security Systems, who is a uh, private security uh, practitioner. Mm-hmm. He runs his own security. Uh, and basically, he's a really interesting individual. Uh, he has uh, received several awards uh, from the Federal Bureau of Investigation just for teaching them mm-hmm. the things that they knew nothing about. And basically, what he does is he's hired by companies to go out and test both on a physical plane and, of course, you know, a cyber plane, you know, the securities of their building. And that starts with actually scenarios about how he will physically sneak past a biometric door or find the door that he calls the smoker's door and pretends that he smokes cigarettes and then waits for somebody to open the door and quickly butts a cigarette and walks through. And that all kind of comes back to, of course, to what was going on in the 80s with where, you know, hackers were, you know, launching physical you know, attacks and intrusions right. walking to phone companies and such. So all of these principles obviously still apply today. Mm-hmm. So he was a very interesting individual. Um, of course, now we have um, also uh, I'm, I'm looking at my uh, envelopes right now because I have so many up on the board. It's good. We have Lori Craner from CMU mm-hmm. uh, who has done a lot of privacy mm-hmm. and security research Uh one of her most interesting, I think, experiments which she did was she sent out with, of course, permission from Carnegie Mellon University, a bunch of phishing attacks uh, throughout the whole student body and faculty body. And then they cataloged who fell for the phishing attack and based on what information you know, made them mm-hmm. click on these links. And, you know, interestingly enough, she found when they were something to the effect of community service, uh, nobody clicked on the link because nobody cares or wants to volunteer their own time. But when it was something <laughs> about, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. any perks or, you mm-hmm. know, there you go, iPad would be a mainstream example, but anything that seemed like uh, it had perks or was concerned to them, Almost everyone, faculty and students alike, fell for their phishing attacks. Right. So she's another really interesting security uh, researcher who works at Carnegie Mellon University here in Pittsburgh. Now, was it tough to get most uh, a lot of people or some of the people to get uh, on camera and sit down? Yes, of course. In fact, uh, going back to Gideon Lanky, one of my favorite stories to tell people uh, is that uh, I had uh, – contacted one of the investors for the film who had handed me off to a son of an FBI agent who I talked to and said, listen, you really don't want to talk to me. He was retired, but mm-hmm. he said, you want to talk to this guy in New Jersey called Gideon Lanky. So I, I reached out to Gideon and uh, I started talking to him. And uh, at the end of the phone conversation, it went well. He, I think basically said he wanted to make sure that he wasn't being bored at it or something. Like that. <laughs> And uh, what happened was at the end of the conversation, uh, he had agreed to do the interview, you know, after I think a lot of phone scrutiny from his end. And he had Mm -hmm. said uh, to me, I was just about to get off the phone to him. He said, oh, by the way, uh, who's your Internet provider? And I said, uh, well, 
Comcast. And he said, oh, did you happen to be searching for my name in a few different arrangements with FBI or FBI agent about four days ago on Google? And I said, well, yeah, that was me. I was doing research on you. He said, oh, okay. Well, you know, I just like to keep my ear to the ground, if you know what I mean. Right, and I thought right. that was pretty amazing. And then all of the security people that I've talked to afterwards and telling them that anecdote said, I really don't know how he did that, but I have an idea. Either he really knows a lot of people or he just did a lot of work. Right, right, right. That's very, very interesting. <clears throat> or it could be a little bit of both. So who was or, who, who was your yes. most difficult interview? Um, on camera, I think, uh, you know, you, you always have a hard time loosening people up or getting them comfortable with the camera. Yeah. And as certain Here. and as savvy as a lot, most of these people are, and it is extremely intelligent. Uh, you know, the camera does kind of hinder uh, you know, your, your ability sometimes to just be able to espout ideas fluently and naturally. Right. So that was a big obstacle. And that we had a little bit of that of, with everyone. Yeah. I think Bruce Schneier probably was the most, you know, when even when we got to Milwaukee and mm. we were all set up in the airport, I still wasn't sure he was going to show up, <laughs> even though he said that he was <laughs> because I he just his his communication was always so short and yes. to the point that I even almost thought like he's, he's not going to show up. And then even at the point where he called me, <laughs> we're, we're set up and ready to go. The lights are on and he calls me, he's in the lobby of the hotel. And, you know, as a director and producer, uh, you know, I only have, I had a role with a very small crew. We don't have a really big budget. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, he calls me and I say, Bruce, I'll meet you down in the lobby. Cause you know, that's, that's yeah. what you do in product. You know, you meet them down in the lobby, you bring them up. And he's like, no, 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 no. Just, just tell me where you are. I'm like, well, we're on the fifth floor, room, you know, 503, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, I'll come down to me. He's like, no, 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 it, it's complicated. I'll just come up to you. And, <laughs> and then he hung, then he hung up. And I, 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 I turned to the crew and I said, well, I, he hung up on me, but he said he was coming up. So I, I think he's coming. He said he was in the hotel. But, uh, as far as difficulty, I think, you know, it was interesting to see how receptive a lot of these interview subjects right. were when they, you know, felt that I was a legitimate filmmaker trying to make a legitimate film that was unbiased and a, you know, honest exploration of the subject. Yeah, like I'm sure it took a lot of work to get Marcus Random to kind of loosen up and really speak his mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like pulling teeth. Yeah, I think yeah. he he hit the ground running as soon as we uh, rolled the first second of film. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, what did you say before the show? You were telling me you ran out of film when you were shooting Marcus. Well, no, he he had us, you know, meet him and his. He has this photography studio, which is basically a decommissioned middle school in the middle of nowhere in Center County, Pennsylvania, and that's where he wanted to do the interview. And, in the middle uh, of winter. In the middle of winter, and our production van almost got stuck trying to go up the hill, uh, you know, to offload the equipment to to do the interview. And he 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 came like marching down in the snow, and 
kind of gave us some advice as to how to get up because, you know, it wasn't even a paved way up to the school at this point. Right. And he was driving a, you know, he, he was driving a big Suburban, which he really loves. And I'm a car guy and my parents used to have a Suburban. They pulled mm-hmm. their campers. So I think he warmed up to me with some earlier correspondence about that. Right, but, right. you know, the school, the school had to be, I think, at tops, 35 degrees throughout the whole interview. We were in full ski gear the whole time. Wow. Yeah, he looks all bundled up in the interview. Oh, he is. Yeah, and if you watch closely in a few clips, uh, I don't know if they you know, are, are in the uh, selective ones I gave you. You can actually see the breath mm-hmm. coming from his mouth. And it was my idea of actually seeing that the whole time, but right. it didn't read all the time. Just yeah, kind yeah. of it was a little spotty, but I liked it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what are some of the other locations where you, you shot various people? Um, wh- wherever we had to. I mean, Code 2600, um, we have been from San Francisco to San Diego to Dallas to Milwaukee to uh, Center County, Pennsylvania. Wow. I think the only place that we haven't been and we were going to interview someone from Boston. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided that interview wasn't going to serve you know, the purpose. So the only place I think hemisphere wise in the, you know, in, in, you know, the continental United States would probably be new England, but other than that, everywhere, Chicago, of course, of course, Pittsburgh, and then so on and so forth. So was there any particular interview that shocked you or surprised you the most? Um, I think, uh, some of the most shocking things that I heard, probably came from our well we we call him hacker x we, we might change that mm-hmm. uh he's just been referred to hacker x he was a guy that he didn't want his face shown and yep. he had just kind of um walked us through some things that he had you know quote unquote recreationally did as a kid mm-hmm. and uh it was really interesting to hear like uh just Things like, oh, war driving is a fun little hobby that a lot of people do and my friends and I used to do. And basically, you just drive around the neighborhood and uh, get into people's Wi-Fi networks, you know, from... So did you have to obscure his voice, too? So he had, like, the voice box thing going on? Yeah, we have we have that done now. It, it's uh, kind of roughed in there. I think yep. the sound engineer is going to take another crack at it. But, uh, yeah, he wanted the full voice and... Uh, face uh you know identity closure but um he i mean now he's 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 grown since you know he's no longer doing uh i don't know if you want to call it adolescent you know kind of black hat stuff right he's he's a security practitioner and he works legitimately as a white hat now but Mm -hmm. uh you know i think he was just obviously for legitimate reasons concerned about telling us about all the illegal things that he had done growing up so now did you have any run-ins with computer security type hacking experiences during the course of shooting and organizing this film i mean because you're corresponding with hacker x with you know all these other people were there any things that like kind of affected you and your own communications in terms of computer security well, I think the way that I use the internet and the way that I use my computer has fundamentally changed <laughs> nice. since the beginning of this film. And I also could speak for even the crew members, production mm-hmm. assistants, and everyone that has helped put this film together and have been close enough to the content 
to understand, uh, you know, that there is really a individual, you know, uh, responsibility in securing your own information. Uh, and I even go so far as to, and people kind of snicker at me, but I go so far as to, and this was, you know, something I gathered from, I think it was Gideon, but I put a little piece of paper tape over my, uh, uh, camera and my laptop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. because you know, I, we have a story about that. Yeah. Because I'm accustomed to the idea. Yeah, of course. I, I think, uh, you know, it's funny just to imagine the idea that, you know, somebody could run a reverse shell on your computer and just basically, you know, your computer could be just be feeding back information to them completely unbeknownst to you, including video feed the whole time. And you'd have no idea. Absolutely. So, um, was there any scenes in the movie that, um, or conversations with people that you couldn't put in the film or couldn't talk about or stuff that you had to cut that you wanted to include, but maybe couldn't, or just didn't have room for there's there's always things that yeah. you want to include as a filmmaker uh you know we probably you know we're shooting hd and we have close to something around you know two terabytes of raw footage mm-hmm. and uh there's always stuff that you want to include but the uh, process of editing and post-production which we're just wrapping up now finally mm-hmm. is a is a laborious and um, I guess uh, emotional process. Because yeah. You have to it's funny. I've talked to some to of my it. friends that are in like the final stages of editing a film and like, they really look like, like tired and, and like mm-hmm. they just want to like go to sleep or give up or just like go to a bar and like not leave for three days. <laughs> <laughs> well, going to the bar, it's just a period on most long days of editing. I yeah. Think. I and bet. I bet. But what you're really doing is, you know, you kind of, in, in, in a sense, have this wonderful thing that you've, you know, put your blood, sweat and tears into. And in this case, Code 2600, something I started almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. So you have this litter of like, let's say puppies. Mm-hmm. And then out of this litter, you know, say it's a big litter, like 12 puppies, whatever. And they're all cute as hell. And you love every one of them equally unconditionally. You have to cut a few of the puppies out of the litter. Yep. And just for runtime so and then you know and i get a, and i have another editor who's a friend of mine from college who works just exclusively as an editor in new york and he came in on uh, two different occasions and was able to help me sift through yeah. a few things that i thought were critical and then he were able to explain to me well people either aren't going to get it or it's just not critical to your runtime and we're yeah. trying to keep the runtime under 90 minutes gotcha mm. So now, were there any things that happened off camera that you wish you had captured that maybe you can't discuss the exact details, but maybe give us an idea? Because I have to imagine interviewing all these people in information security and hacking, that things happen off camera that you're like, wow, I wish I could have really shared that in my story of this this film. It's like the Paul.com after show. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, well, there has definitely been certain stories that people off camera knowing they were completely away from the sound guy and, and camera mm-hmm. have shared with me nice. saying, Oh, do you remember when so-and-so and that happened? I had something to do with that. <laughs> we thought it was really funny. Nice. And I'm like, Jesus, God, really? And it was like, Oh yeah, that was simple. That was easy. That wasn't even one of the hardest things that I've done. Right. And uh, it's, it's always very interesting because again, uh, you know, 
the, and I want to make this like really evidently clear too that the point of this documentary, um, aside from the exploration of the coming of the information technology age and you know its effect on us as people and as society collectively, is also to dispel a lot of ideas of what a hacker is because. The reason that we have a lot of the wonderful things that we enjoy right now, uh, techno technologically speaking, and even beyond that, is because of, you know, hacker-minded people and people that push the boundaries of their technology and art. And uh, I, I really wanted to bring that into the film to show audiences exactly, you know, this idea of the hacker, you know, of the, the kid in his basement, you know, launching ICBMs at, you know... Russia is is just a Hollywood fabrication, and 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 it's actually a lot more benevolent than a lot of people would think. Now, did you attend any hacker conferences as part of your research in the past three years? I did. I shot at uh, Black Hat Las Vegas, and um, we came in. Uh, actually, we shot at the last two Black Hat mm -hmm. Las Vegas conferences, with the exception of I think the one that just ended. Or it might be even just going on now. I'm not sure. Uh, Blackhead but, is this uh, uh, is uh, end of July this year, 2011. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we shot the last two Black Hats. Yeah. Uh, the inv invitation from uh, uh, the first leg in to getting close to Jeff Moss was a guy by the name of Alessandro Aquisti, who is a CMU computer scientist uh, professor, and basically he had developed a three-part algorithm that could successfully predict your social security card number. Nice. Um, and uh, we, we interviewed him and he actually wrote the algorithm out for us on a dry erase board, which of course we're not going to show the whole thing, <laughs> um, but it's really, it, and he was invited to come to Black Hat to speak about how we had come up with this algorithm and, you know, how the death master file is out there and, you know, you could you could go onto the Deathmaster file right now after the show mm -hmm. and look at all your dead relatives and their social security card numbers. And he used that information to trouble uh, shoot his his algorithms, and mm -hmm. then he came up with a a very you know solid and consistent and reliable three part algorithm that could successfully predict social security card numbers. Nice. And uh, you know that was my first like hit at Black Hat. Yep. And, then and then you got Jeff Moss because Jeff Moss is in your yes. clip. And he speaks about um, the Internet in the early days, I think, very accurately. Yeah, Jeff Moss was an incredible interview. And I wish it looked better. I always, you know, you know you're not really ever supposed to say those things, but I'm pretty uh, curt. As a filmmaker, we just had a lot. We just didn't have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And but the content really shines through in spades there with him. He was absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, he is just an endless vault of articulate and well presented information, historically speaking, content, con contemporarily speaking. Um, so him and Marcus Ranum and Bruce Schneier uh, are pretty much my three headed monster in this film. Uh, and of course, we have a lot of other wonderful and intelligent people peppered throughout the whole feature but uh i think those three are the most prominently featured and jeff moss was just absolutely wonderful and he just has a, a endless kind of plethora of knowledge excellent excellent 
So um, you said you're wrapping up uh, filming. <laughs> when will this be premiering, and, and where can we go see it? Right after he comes to Rhode Island and uh, interviews us. That's right. <laughs> Well, uh, they're well. They're actually Rhode Island is on my uh, target list. Rhode Island actually has a, a, a really reputable film festival called the I believe it's called the Rhode Island International Film Festival IRI okay. or something like that. Yeah, it's, either, um, it's either that or the Newport International Film Festival. The Newport Film Festival, yeah. It might be the Newport too. I, I, I have. To, it's been a while since I've been in the festival circuit since the last film. But uh, so the idea, basically, of course, is to hit acquisition people and major uh, distribution, you know, companies and markets, but then also play the festival circuit. And ideally, you know, you always start with the top festivals, acquisition festivals, i.e. Toronto, Sundance, South by Southwest. And then you kind of work your way down from there. Uh, what I would really like, what I've already promised uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff Moss, is to send him a screener as soon as we have a complete polished and finished product for him to screen and if he's receptive to it, I would love to possibly coordinate something with one of his conferences and screen the film at uh, a DEF CON or Black Ed. But, of course, ideally DEF CON because, of course, that's more grassroots of his festivals. Right, right, right. So now uh, I, I watch a lot of great documentary films like on Netflix and stuff. What is your process to kind of get this film out there above and beyond you know, maybe getting it screened at a conference? Well, uh, the market's changing a lot, and Netflix has changed a lot mm -hmm. since they have acquired basically the piece of the pie from Blockbuster. Netflix used to be a lot cooler, you know, I mm -hmm. guess for lack of better terms. And now they are really more of a, that kind of corporate entity that you like to bitch about when you've had a few too many beers yep. at the bar with your friends, you know, and they really have become that. Um, but the process basically is – Try and get into a great festival, an acquisition festival, mm -hmm. you know, and, and and that's, again, something like South by Southwest, Sundance, Toronto, maybe even Slamdance, which is kind of a, a parasite festival that goes on at the same time in Utah as Sundance. Mm -hmm. And then from that point, you, you know, people yeah. approach you and, and, and they'll ask to, you know, well, what are you looking to get out of? What kind of distribution are you looking for? We're interested in picking it up. Uh, and so on and so forth. And uh, I was through a lot of red tape with the last film. And I'm thinking because there was so much more production value in uh, this film and because it's also a testament to how I'm, I think, growing as a filmmaker. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm only 31. I'm still kind of young, I would think, in this game. Uh, that this would be an easier kind of sell to the market. And also, I think it's so timely and so pertinent. But most importantly, it's unique. I don't think anybody has... a given a treatment to this subject like code 2600 does mm -hmm. we start with you know the necessity of technology back to the cold war and sputnik because that's where this all really started and then you know arpa and then arpanet and so forth and i think we just tried to kind of grab the whole story arc of the you know well the story of the information technology age mm. absolutely yeah i got some of that from the the clip that you shared with us so Jeremy, uh, and I want to say really quick: the three clips that you're going to show, there's going to be a there's going to be a break uh, twice. So these are selective; they're 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 not uh, you know clips that are one after the other as far as the actual film. They are selective clips from the beginning, the middle, and kind of the endish mm. of what I have. So that's why there's the breaks in those. Yes, and it it makes me want to I see the whole film even more. <laughs> 
Oh, great. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed them. Thank you. So the website is code2600.com. Now, you're not in any way affiliated with 2600 Magazine, right? I'm sure you came across that in your research. No, uh, uh, Mr. Emanuel, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, a wonderful, influential individual and um, very, very happy to have uh, some news archive footage of him in the uh, in the nice. cut. But nice. uh, no, in, in no way affiliated with uh, his his great publication. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Jeremy, if uh, if you do come to Rhode Island, be sure to uh, look us up. We'd love to uh, have you here in the studio and, and hang out and show you Rhode Island and uh, share a beer 12. Absolutely. Let us know when your film a is published. We're happy, happy, happy to promote it um, based on what I've seen. Like I said, I'm very anxious to see what the full film looks like and uh, can't wait. Can we buy it on DVD? Is that, is that what you're going to as an well, independent? That's, that's... Go ahead. That's the, that's the idea eventually, uh, you know, but that also usually takes the intervention of the distribution companies right, right. to come out because the first thing you don't want to do is start just like selling DVDs on your own. You want to kind of keep it close to your chest so that uh, the distribution companies see market value in it. And mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's really painful sometimes to go through that process because as a filmmaker who, you know, of course suffers through three years, uh, you know, it just living from, you know, whatever kind of investment check you get from investment check. And then at the end of the day, though, it just seemed as kind of a product by these distribution companies. And I wish it was that easy, but hopefully I could get this film screened at some more, uh, you know, places that like-minded people like yourselves and your listeners would have their own kind of uh, intimate venue, i.e. DEF CON or maybe right, a black right. hat or something but we'll we'll see I hope hopefully uh jeff moss will be very receptive to this film which Excellent. i which i think he will i think so too well jeremy thank you very much for appearing on paul.com and best of luck uh promoting your film and you let us know what we can do to help absolutely guys thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it And we're back with Tim Tomes. Tim is a captain and former red team leader for the Army, principal developer and maintainer of the Army's first network defense course and adver- advisor, not advertiser, advisor to the Army Cyber Lead College. Tim is also the author of GXFer and regular contributor to the Paul.com blog as Landmaster53. Welcome, Tim. Hey, hey, guys. How's it going? Tim, it is so nice to uh, speak to you, meet you in person. Uh, again, we thank you for your contributions to the Paul.com blog and are very interested to hear about your most recent post um, on GXFer. I'm actually, I'm actually quite surprised at, at the response because um, the, the origin for, for the script itself is, is actually quite a, a simple technique that I believe most pen testers are already using. I know a lot of the guys I've talked to already do uh, already use it in one way or another, but it's typically not scripted the way uh-huh. the way that I've done it, and then that's kind of why um, why I did it the way that I did. So, yeah. so, so yeah, Tim, Paul, and I were talking before the show that exactly this type of thing. I was saying to Paul every time I go on a te- uh, on a pen test or do a pen test, it's like a week later this tool comes out that would have made my job much easier. And it's exactly that we had just yeah. done all of this yeah. for this huge test manually, and here we go. Yeah, so 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 basically, for for those out there that that, that aren't sure what I'm talking about or haven't read the blog, um, Google 
obviously everybody knows has advanced search uh, search engine queries that you can run against it. And uh, and two of the two of the of the options are in URL and in site. And uh, and you can uh, um, basically uh, enumerate subdomains using that. And how you do that is, is say you take a subdomain you take a domain like sans.org. Well, you you want to specify want to make sure that's in the URL. So you put the in URL piece in there, and you want to make sure that you're that you're restricted to that domain. So you put site and the and the domain in there, and then you you search for that, and it basically comes back, and you're going to see everything in sans.org. You're going to see all these subdomains: www.sans.org. I think there's a, uh, there's the internetstormcenter.sans.org. There's a couple of them there. So you take all the ones off the first page, and then you you do a minus site for all of those subdomains. And you search it again, and then it comes up, and you see a bunch of other subdomains that you didn't know existed, and, and pretty much you just repeat that process until you have no uh, uh, no queries returned or no uh, no uh, results returned from Google. And if you look up in your search bar, you pretty much have um, you enum you have enumerated all the all the uh, uh, domain subdomains that have uh, public facing web servers. And so, as a web app pen tester, that's pretty neat. And so uh, um, one of the cool things about it is, is it's passive rather than active. So you have tools like Fierce and you got, you got tools like uh, the Metasploit Frameworks, a DNS Enum that will actively uh, knock on a DNS, a DNS server. But doing this, um, you can enumerate a lot of that information with ever, ever, ever touching the target. And uh, um, to me, that was just that's pretty cool, especially as a web app pen tester, because really you're after the web apps, you're not all that concerned about about a lot of the interior stuff they got going on inside the network. You want stuff that's facing uh, the, uh, the, uh, the external internet. So, so that's how it kind of all got started. And, and, uh, and of uh, course, Kevin Johnson from secure ideas. Absolutely. So it was in your head. So, so that's where it got, that's where it all came from is, uh, I was, I, I took uh, 542 last year in Vegas and, uh, I was pulled up the MP3s the other day and was just brushing up on some of my skills going back and forth from work in the car. I figure, there's nothing else really good on the radio. So I was listening to that, and he started talking about that. And I said, you know, that sounds really easy to script. And he also mentioned that uh, all of the tools that currently do it either require an API key so they're not public, or they do a bunch of other stuff, and none of them really focus on that particular that particular technique. So I wanted to just write a quick script to automate this. And that's that's how it all started. I was I start uh, for those that don't know, Google also has a beta uh, SSL version. Um, HTTPS colon slash slash encrypted.google.com. So I wanted to, to write a script that kind of uses both of those options. Um, with, just in case you want to SSL encrypt your Google queries for whatever reason. Um, and it kind of started that way. And then I started running into issues with shunning. And I don't, I, anybody that's ever wrote a script that messes with Google has ran into this. And that's where I spent most of my time is trying to figure out A, you know, what causes you to be shunned and then B, um, what they're actually shunning by, because surprisingly enough, it's not IP, at least not only IP, um, because if it was, then everybody at my office would be really pissed off at me right now. <laughs> nice. I have, I've been shunned at the office quite a few times, and you can just go right, roll right over to Firefox, and you're, you're right in. So they're not shunning by IP, and I haven't quite figured out what exactly it is yet, because uh, as, as you can also see in there, I, I put in the option um, to to actually custom uh, user use a custom user agent string and and thanks to uh, to Matt Graber one of my buddies on the uh, um, in the army that uh, that actually gave me the idea to do that but that didn't help either so <laughs> if you're shunned um, you're pretty much out 24 hours unless you use the other option I put in there which is the proxy option and that's kind of my favorite 
uh, the favorite, my favorite piece of the whole script. Uh, when I put it together, my idea was, is yeah, you could use Tor, and like you could, you could, you could specify just one proxy and, and go through an open proxy that you know about, or maybe go through Tor or pivot through uh, a shell that you have somewhere. But wouldn't it be neat if you could just feed it a list of open proxies out there on the internet, and the script would just start spraying your request across those at random, and 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 I, and do the error checking at at the same time. Whereas you know, if the proxy's down, then it ignores it, moves on to the next one. And so that's kind of the the logic behind the proxy. Yeah, Timmy, you know, that's a good point. We're, we're finding that in our penetration tests, um, a lot of people now are adopting web application firewalls or intrusion prevention systems that will regularly just shun our IP address. And we're actually kind of surprised how easy it is to just get a whole list of open proxy servers and go through and then, hey, look, you're, you're in back in business again. <laughs> It actually got me thinking about another tool that's probably worth writing is is something that just automatically does that. It listens on a port, probably on your local machine, and you just fire off your scanning tool at it, and it just sprays sprays your uh, your queries across all these open proxies. But mm -hmm. um, thinking about that, that's something I could possibly develop moving forward. But um, so there's a couple of downsides to this technique, and there's uh, some things that I ran into while I was doing rather large domains or testing against rather large domains. And it's the fact that Google has two limitations. And the first one is they, they only give you a maximum of 32 words in any query. And the second one is your query string can only be 2,074 characters long. Why? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. At 275, it feeds you uh, a, a, like a, four, a 415 error. And then anything larger than 275 is a 404 error. So, but 2,074 and below, you're good. Um, hmm. I don't like that. You know, I've been trying to find a way around it. I've used, I've tried the mobile Google sites. I've tried both HTTP and HTTPS, and I've tried using their own, uh, using their own translator against them. And it's all the same back end. So, so you're really, you're really limited by those. But the cool thing is, is the script still does exactly what it's supposed to. It just automates what you would have to do manually. And right, so, right. And it's, it's basing it solely on Google results. Solely on Google results. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Now, have you looked into uh, virtual host discovery with uh, sites like Bing that do the IP Bing! colon? I love that. Mm. Oh, you know, last I knew it didn't work. For oh, me. really? No, I, 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 had, I hadn't messed with that, actually. But there, there are some other tools. that. So one of the options is there is to actually do a reverse lookup on all of the subdomains that, yep. you, that you enumerate and then give you the IP address for them. Yep. You feed that list of IP addresses right into it's, another tool that does all yeah, of that for yeah. you. And then you've got, you know, you need to resolve all the virtual hosts as well. Excellent. So. Yeah, to check out Bing. It might be kind of cool to build that into the tool so that while you're finding domain names, like you said, you're reverse looking them up and then feeding them into another tool automatically um, to be able to enumerate the virtual host. Because that's a problem for, I mean, if you're doing a vulnerability assessment, penetration testing, or any kind of testing against a site, there can be sometimes 100 domains associated with one IP address. And, right. and that seems to present a problem in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, definitely. That's definitely. very cool. So uh, this code that you've written is out there. It's available for download on your website and being included in Samurai. Yeah. So I, I, I've talked to I've talked to Ed Scotus and I and I've talked to Kevin Johnson as well. And I think you're probably going to see it pop up in 560. I think is what yep. Ed told me yep. where he wants to put it and. And you'll probably see it in 542. And Kevin also said he'd like to include it in Samurai uh, WTF in the next release. So you'll probably you'll probably see it um, 
popping in and out of a couple of those releases yeah. in class. Very cool. Well, Tim, thank you very much for sharing this information with us. And we, we look forward, uh, as always, to uh, your contributions to Paul.com and your blog posts. Uh, they're very educational. And uh, we, uh, we we thank you for this tool. I mean, this is something, like I said, Larry and I are definitely going to put it right in on all of our uh, penetration tests. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, Paul. And uh, yeah, if, if you're running any bugs or you want something else done to it, please just, just drop me a quick note on my uh, on my blog, and I'll be happy to modify the script. Oh, Excellent. boy. You just opened yourself up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love doing this crap, so it's so, all good. So, Tim, uh, we hope that you stick around maybe and uh, talk about the stories for this week with us. Hey, definitely. All righty. With that, we will take a short break. We'll do the magical video and stuff like that and come back and talk about the stories for this week. kill the music and we're going to talk about the stories for this week of course Woo-hoo. the paul.com blog roundup consisted of none other than tim tomes or landmaster 53's blog post which we just did a technical segment on very excited about that cannot wait to try that out on uh, people that we want to hack with permission yeah. of course of course. Permission. It, do, it does violate the Google uh, user policy, though. Yeah, even. but you know, mm, I what mean, doesn't? I, really? yeah, I mean, <laughs> are you really badass if you're violating Google's policy, or are you just another user of the internet? I mean, <laughs> really, yeah, it's what it comes to Google. user of the internet. Yeah, yeah. What are, where is it exactly? You know, we talk about it all the time, but uh, what is, where is it? Where do they store the actual acceptable use policy in Google? Nobody, and even if we all knew where that was, John, no one would read it. And even if we did read it, we wouldn't care. And that's all I'm saying about that. I want to talk about... something that they can stitch me to the anus of another man? What? what? Yes. Yeah, just your mouth. John, you need, John you, need to, you need to talk louder and into the phone. Oh, yeah, talk louder. Are you there? Can you say something more yeah. loudly? I'm now con- concerned about the talk loud thing. Yeah, that's oh, no. better. A little, kind of, sort of. Um, too much? No, you could scream at the top of your lungs, and you still probably wouldn't be loud enough. What is wrong with the Boy, new phone whose bridge? Boy, idea was it to go to a new phone bridge? Because this is working great. This what? new phone bridge sucks. Just throwing that out there yeah, for everyone. Yeah, what, what was the reason for the change? Just be- I don't know. Okay. Ask by the provider, <laughs> the provider of said phone bridge. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but Carlos, he's Carlos. Sounds okay. Carlos, you there, buddy? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, see, Carlos sounds fantastic, and he's in Puerto Rico. Yeah, John, what does that say about South? Dak- what does that say about South Dakota? It's a flyover state. What do you want? <laughs> it's like not even wow. there. Like it's not even loud enough. It's not even. Wow. The big story this week is if you take your laptop in the shower, you can clean it of all malware, all the sensors, everything, and just make sure you're naked when you do it, so that the computer security or computer tech that service your laptop to put the malware on there that takes naked pictures of you or takes pictures of you hoping that you are naked 
can capture that for what was it like for personal use? Was he starting his own pornography site? Was it like amateur porn? So I was hoping you wanted like. No, like he was a guy. Girl. Yeah, he was a guy. Yeah, so personal use. But but like but, <laughs> personal but, but, but use. Think, think about like how many things he got that he didn't want. Like how many yeah, people? Like yeah. how many times it pop up? And like oh okay, whatever. Stick in the shower. And it's like some guy just you know in the shower. Yeah, right there. I don't it, it, it. It's it's like researching all of the image on Sexy yeah. Peak. There was lots of stuff that you didn't Not want. Not so see. sexy. I mean. He, I can just imagine him showing, I'm here to fix your computer. By the way, I'm going to put malware in a computer that takes pictures of you, hoping you get naked in front of the computer. And, of course, the message that pops up says, you should fix your internal sensor soon. If unsure what to do, try putting your laptop near hot steam for several minutes to clean the sensor. That was the message. Expert social engineering, though. Mm. Dude, it's pretty it's lame really social engineering. <laughs> you know, while you're at it, you know, just take your clothes off. Our pen test just to see how it works. So the article did state that sometimes some victims, tricked by the pop-up warning, did in fact take their computers with them into the shower. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Really? If if they are willing to take their computer into the shower with them, they deserve to have the photograph taken and put on the internet somewhere. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised. Serves them case right. Closed. Case closed. Uh, you know, I'm surprising that the laptop actually worked that long. Just ask Mike Poor about taking his Kindle into the bathroom. What? What did you drop it? No, no. that's a thought I don't want to have in my head. Yeah, I don't want to think no, about Mike Poor so in the bathroom. Oh crap! There it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Pun intended. You, well, you go into the best reading room in the house. You take your Kindle. You start yes. reading. Yeah. You put it on the back of the toilet. You hop in the shower. Oh. Uh, and steam. You come out. You turn on your Kindle and go. Oh, yeah, so I've sad. heard that about the iPhone too. That the steam can get into the connector and short it out. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Now I'm envisioning Mike Poor in the shower. Thank you very much. <laughs> right Good after, thing I put right, malware on his laptop right, and tried to social yeah. engineer. Inve- <laughs> imagining Mike Poor in the shower right after taking it off. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. There it is. <laughs> okay, there it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Mike Poor, if you're listening, you need to take a picture of yourself while you're listening to no. this right now and send it to us. <laughs> so we can as long as you're not listening on no, the can. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, all right, no. never mind. <laughs> Oh, Mike. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, how did boy. Like, how did it go from this news story to Mike poor naked? I, in the yeah, it I, went there very quickly, I, It too. was about naked people in the shower. It was only a matter of time before we just transitioned into Mike poor. I mean, come on now. And I think they haven't drunk enough. Uh, <laughs> or I, too much. I need to drink more now, let me tell you. The, the question is, really, how stupid do you have to be? To say, oh, your computer has a sensor. you got to take it in the shower or into the bathroom. The same people that came up with the idea for IPv6 Day. (laughs) Wow. Wow. It came and went. Isn't everyone excited? That's That's usually usually what I do. (laughs) Wait, I'm gone. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> so a lot of things were happened on IPv6 day with IPv6, and no one really noticed because we're also using IPv4. Four, yeah. Um, IPv6. What is this you speak of? I, I don't know. I do think IPv6 presents us with new challenges and yes. opportunities. Um, as penetration testers, I think it's interesting how we're going to scan one billion IP addresses or hundreds of millions of IP address ranges at one time. 
Because companies at some point, when we decide to switch to IPv6... Never! <laughs> maybe we just have to worry about teaching our kids about IPv6. <laughs> so when you take over the pen testing business that I'm creating now, my son's three, so we've got time. That's about the right time frame. Customers are going to come to you and say, I have 100 million IP addresses, please scan them. Hopefully by that time, we've solved this problem. Man, those people that charge by IP address or by range are prices are going to go up. Yes, big time. So now the other thing is, so it's a tough problem to solve, but I think DNS is going to be more important than ever because as we all know, geeks... Carlos is groaning and John's groaning in the background. Geeks, geeks like us. No, yeah, because I have some experience with IPv6 and um, it's not that big a problem. You don't think so? You don't think that we're all lazy and we don't no. want to type all that IP address space? That, that's, that's why... It is not a problem. People are lazy. Um, um, let me see, let me see how I paraphrase this. Bob was doing some work against some IPv6 stuff that he was working on for a webcast, and one of the things he noticed for some of the providers and companies that already have IPv6 is that admins are lazy and they kind of formatted their uh, ranges in a way where it made it easier for them to type in. Yep. They were not using kind of uh, the e e the e i u a sixty four type address where you're kind of randomizing it a bit, and they were kind of setting it up in in such a way where the IP addresses were concurrent one to another. Another thing is that um, if you're able to, in most cases, get a server in the same network as they do. Let's say you can get a server in the same hosting provider that they have. They're outsourcing. Um, one of the things you can do is that you can query the multicast addresses uh, that are already preset. Uh, and you can also do what are called neighbor discovery packets to the network discovery protocol. And you're able to kind of enumerate everything with one single package. Right, right. It's gonna it's gonna take time before, but it's gonna take time before the tools that we know and love are truly updated to handle IPv6. And I'm not talking about just connecting to them. I'm talking about a lot about reporting, right? Because um, there, the problem is there's more than one way to represent an IPv6 address. So, and a lot of tools now maybe don't even support host name, and they're hard coded to an IPv4 type address, well, and it's going to take time. I know, I know, I know you're, I know you're doing this on purpose, trying to entice people to make them feel bad for not being in my webcast this week where I cover <laughs> everything. Uh, on IPv6 and pen testing. All right. I know well, if you want to know more about it, tune into Carlos's webcast next week. And Carlos will no, give you the it, it was this week. <laughs> the webcast oh. was this week. Go, re go <laughs> I already did it. listen to okay. the recording. Uh, that's one, that's one go, go, into go into my Twitter. Look into uh, my post on Twitter. You're going to see that on Wednesday, I place the link to all of my slides. You'll be able to download a zip file. Zip file will, will contain uh, the PowerPoint and the PDF for my slides. What uh, I covered different, different tools. One of the things to uh, try out there, MMAP now fully supports, even with scene scan, Christmas scans, all different types of scans, it supports IPv6. 
NCAT supports IPv6, Metasploit supports IPv6, so our favorite tools are out there. One of the things I did was that I added, in case you're on the defense side, um, uh, how sh sh uh, to what level should you upgrade your Juniper, H3C, Cisco, and Procure switches uh, to be able to support IPv6 and block many of the attacks. I covered several techniques uh, to prevent some of the, let's say, right now IPv6 does not use ARP, it uses NDP, network, uh, neighbor discovery protocol, and that is based on ITMP. So now the ARP protocol is dead. Now it is ITMP, but one of the problems is it's unauthenticated. You can poison it, and you can do even more nasty stuff to NDP that you could have ever done in IP before. So go, go download it. And probably uh, can do a blog post or a, um, I don't know, a tech segment for next week. On it, yeah, but think about now uh, all of the so-called enterprise tools or tools out there that let you search by IP address and all of the code that needs to be updated to make sure that they can search, query, and accept user input by IP address, which now is going to be version 6, which is completely different and can be represented more than one way. Exactly. If you're using Cisco, upgrade to iOS uh, 12.3 and up, and you should be okay. If you have a Siemens, uh, you can use ArcSight. You can use uh, Tenable's Security Center. Both of those support IPv6. You can query, and you can filter, and you can analyze your locks for IPv6. If you're using Syslock, make sure that you're using Syslock NG 1.19 or above, and you're able to collect all of those logs over. Uh, sadly, if you're using Cisco equipment, you're screwed in terms of if you have old Cisco equipment because you're going to have to either buy a very, very, very expensive license or upgrade your equipment. So from the management side, that's almost fixed. Now the only problem is ISPs. ISPs do not want to shift to IPv6. That is one of the biggest problems. Mm. So... Uh, <laughs> Does anyone have uh, their banking with Citigroup? Anyone? Anyone? Define banking. No. Exactly. I don't know. 210,000 customers. Um, their security was breached. Mm -hmm. and now it says that their website was breached and 210,000 customers' personal information was exposed. Which is less than 1% of all their customers. It is. Now, maybe it was the shower malware. I'm not sure. Maybe you had to go into the shower with your laptop. And, and your, your credit, credit card. card. And your credit card. Maybe take a picture of it and, and send it. Um, <laughs> I think it could be likely SQL injection, right? I mean, if they're coming out and saying our website was breached and subscriber information was disclosed, then maybe it was SQL injection. Anyone care to argue with me on that one? No. Anyone? No? Probably like, right? likely SQL. So we're, we're speculating at this point. Likely SQL injection. But I mean, really. Why haven't we fixed this problem? I mean, buy some basic web application testing software. It can find SQL injection in your application. Maybe spend a little bit of time with your developers. Educate them about SQL injection. I mean, to put a low-hanging fruit vulnerability out there in your website or have a low-hanging fruit vulnerability like that in yep. your website is just – we should know how to – there should be some code library that solves it, right? Dan Kaminsky had a great yeah. whole thing on that, like – Getting rid of SQL injection kind of thing. Yep. I don't know. I think we can do better. 
Uh, I, I'm less, maybe you just don't really care, right? Less than 1% of my users, SQL injection, hey, eh, if yeah. we have a data breach, I it, don't give a shit because, yeah, what, you know what? $19.95 for a year for, for yeah, credit you know, monitoring. You yeah, know, I dish out some money. I give some people some free credit Co- reports. It cost me less than it did to implement real security. That's right. right? And we just move on with life. And you guys, you say less than 1%, but you think about it. I mean, that's really, that's, that's like almost one, that's one person out of 100. And we talk about millions of customers. That's still hundreds of thousands of people. I yep. mean, that's a, lot, that's a lot of money. It is. It is. But, you know, how many companies like this actually consider this as, uh, as just doing cost of business? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's, privacy is, the privacy doesn't exist. Well, and I just don't think big companies like this really care about security. It's an economics problem yeah, for them. Yeah, I definitely agree that there's. That they solve by just dealing with the repercussions rather than solving the problem. Yep. Yep. So speaking of the numbers, how about uh, some of this uh, stuff that's nine? coming out? That what? no, oh. uh, num- one in four hackers are informants. Yeah. Did you have that story too, Larry? Uh, or just I, me and Darren? Just you and Darren, but I saw it and was thinking about posting it and then saw that you guys did and was like, yeah. You know. Hey, you know what that means, right, guys? The one in one so there's four. One, there's, there's four people in this room. Right. Yeah. There's two on the phone or one, one on, on Skype. Skype. There's a couple oh, people. How many that, people is that, Darren? There's, there's a couple people that got some splaining to do. <laughs> how many people are listening? How many people are listening? We got... Uh, 19 people listening. 19 people listening. Think about how many of them could be informants. Are. Five of them. Are informants. Five are informants. Definitively are informants. Five or six of them are informants. I bet you zero, ca- I bet you zero chaos is. Oh, I, just yeah. want, I just want to see him go crazy. And He'd, roll over. He'd roll no, over no, no, on us all. Oh, chaos. Oh, chaos. Well, okay. According to Man- Emmanuel Goldstein, a.k.a. Eric Corley of 2600, mm-hmm. 25% of the hacker underground, a.k.a. cyber criminals, someone give me a beer, um, I would drink, but I don't have any beer. That's a problem. Oh, intern fail. Intern, yeah. <laughs> uh, our FBI informant. So it reminds me of my favorite TV show, of course, The Sopranos, right? And I think when we come back, when we look at this problem, and it happens with any criminal community, that when you get like pinched, so to speak, yep. you're faced with the decision: Do I rat on my friends, or do I do some jail time? Yep. And any criminal organization, online or not, whether you're a cyber criminal, gangster, whatever, right? There's, they're going to have this problem where informants are going to be among their ranks because it's a personal decision at that point, right? Like we all remember Pussy from yep. The Sopranos, Adriana. Now they met their fates on the show after being discovered as a rat. I want to know like what happens. When someone in the computer underground is found out to be an informant, is there such a thing as cyber whacking? I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> this afternoon was filled with it. <laughs> and this morning. <laughs> and, and last night. And about five minutes before I came over to do the show. <laughs> pun, in, pun intended. Uh, uh, <laughs> wrong, choice, wrong choice of words there, Paul. So I put that in there purposely just to hear what you guys would say. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> It was a very long yeah. setup. We <laughs> fell for it. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. Speaking of which, Just I gotta go cyber whack c- right now. Cement shoes. <laughs> nice. That pussy wore when they dumped him over the boat. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you pop- so but seriously, what is cyber whacking? No, no. Other yeah. than you know, I know 
Yeah, you the, know what I'm saying. Yes, the right? cyber cement shoes, as it were. What uh, What is the equivalent of the cyber cement yeah, shoes? But, well, think about uh, somebody like Adrian Lamo. Yeah, he was mentioned in this he article. Was, you know, he was he was the the hacker underground. He was the what was he? He was known as the the the, the cyber whacker. <laughs> no, not the cyber whacker. What the the couch, the, the couch or uh, Kinko, Kinko's hacker? Because he actually didn't have a permanent address, and he would go to Kinko's and use the business connections. Yes, and, yes. And, and oh, hack that with a browser. Oh, yeah, and yeah. hack with a browser from there. You, right. Um. You know, smart guy, but he was allegedly the one that uh, and pardon the term rolled over on um, uh, Bradley Manning. Yep. Yep. Not, not that you no. Know, uh, all the good, better, and different. Good, right. better, and different. But that's that's the way the story went. So, do people like Adrian now? Some people do. Some people don't. I mean, I think. Right. Quite honestly, yeah, I mean, look at look at Kevin Mitnick. Some people like him. Some people don't. Yeah, but he didn't really roll over. He didn't. Anyone, did but he? but even at that, it's still like some people think he's a charlatan. Some people don't. Right. It's well, I think, we, but I so think we're also think, involved in a community that's more about defense and and. But do you yeah. think that the equivalent of cyber whacking is calling someone a charlatan? Ooh, right. That would be well, a pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Right. That would be a pretty good way of cyber whacking. You just want to say cyber whacking. You want to keep saying <laughs> every it, time you say cyber, yeah. you got to drink and uh, whack and whacking <laughs> cyber no, whacking. No, not while we're here. No, yeah, yeah. No whacking. No, no, you can make that up later. No, I'm drinking. While I'm anyway whacking, man. I came up with a new cyber word. All right, you drink. Who else came said, up? You just said the word again. The C Who word. else would say that? Who else has said that before? Said I'm what? Calling it. Said what? Cyber whacking. I'm gonna drink. Oh, I'm twice. sure someone said it. That's called. Masturbating in 2011. Because <laughs> oh, everyone's got the internet. Boy. Why do I need the internet? I've got a computer. Uh. <laughs> oh, John, oh, save boy. us, John. John, save us, John. please save us. Say something right, let's intelligent. Pick, let's pick a story at random. <laughs> please say Yeah, because that always works well. And talk about it. John, Carlos, save us. Talk about metadata, guys. Let's talk about metadata. It's always safe to come back to metadata. Oh, or because we, we used metadata this week, Paul. It was it was our friend. It was. I don't know. We did so much stuff this In week. One of our pen tests. Okay, you say so. Paul's cut off now. Yes. <laughs> In any case, in this case, uh, John, I think you're going my story number four, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, thanks to Byte Beckett for pointing this out to me. It came in through uh, through D Shield, but uh, you know. Who needs metadata in this case? So go look at the the link in the show notes. Look at the picture. Now look at your man. And (laughs) look at this picture again. (laughs) Oh, shit. Paul just looked at me. Wait a minute. That's not right. You're supposed to look at Darren. Well, you were looking at Darren. Uh, and Darren was looking at Ian. It was really disturbing. <laughs> and Ian, was looking, and Ian was looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> who sewed? Who sewed? Whose mouth to where? Oh like, my god! Uh, whoa! I'm All right. Disturbed. And in any case, so this is a picture of like the command center for the Arizona wildfire, wildfires. And one of the things that uh, we talk about with with HIPAA is the the need to keep uh, data with the same restrictions in emergency situations as they are during regular times. So certain information is sensitive. 
both during regular times and during, well, daily operations. And by looking at this picture, well, there might be some sensitive information here. So go look first time, and what do you see? Darren, what did you see the first time I showed you this picture? This picture. Story number four. I see it's blank to me. What? It's gone. Oh, oh, the... Oh, it comes up blank yeah, now. It's empty. Yeah, I can't get it up either, guys. <laughs> oh, whoa, that's whoa, what she said. Hey, whoa. No. Whoa. I got some. I got some email about something that might help. <laughs> Who's the informant? Uh, and in, so, in any case, I have a local copy of this, thankfully. So it's a picture of a whiteboard oh. with a bunch of people's names and telephone numbers after him. Okay, great. Information gathering at its finest. However, at the top right-hand corner of this whiteboard is an FTP URL, FTP colon whack whack, FTP uh, a website, and underneath it is a username and password listed underneath it. Bob tells me that this username and password works for this .gov site. And that there's a bunch of information there that may or may not be terribly interesting to a bunch of folks, but I'm wondering... Hey, Larry, there's someone at the door for you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear any helicopters. <laughs> Bob isn't here. Um... But, uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of information there. Anonymous access works well. Um, so I don't know why they really needed a username and password. Um, but, so, you know, really, you don't even need metadata. Just sometimes maybe you just need to even look at the content of said photography to get owned. Like, trying to do physical security testing, you see that there's a company that uh, has uh, done an advertisement for, hey, you want to come use our services? And they're a bunch of doctors, and they're all wearing their badges in the picture. And, hey, guess what? You just go look at the billboard, and now you can craft a badge, and you potentially have a badge for physical access to the facility. Um, that and the meat cutter's jacket, and you're all set. Speaking oh. of images and metadata and stuff like that, Twitter has a new URL shortener. I say that because of TwitPic yeah, and yeah. YFrog. And yeah. I posted actually a picture uh, to Twitter today of Wasted Strand yeah. doing a penetration test with a stick and a marshmallow while naked playing the piano. Yeah, yes. I mean, that is talent. And, and even better, talent. the author of said photograph. I'm sorry, John. The <laughs> author of said photograph added a cape. Yeah, the cape was a nice touch. Yes. Yeah. yes and Had a big S on it. And by touch, you mean tickles. <laughs> <laughs> so John oh, can John John can we yeah can we talk we found on a web app this week. can we save the show can we actually talk about that do we have yeah let's talk about that we won't mention the customer but I think it's really really cool or the application so we'll keep it no, we can't have, we can't discuss both okay so we found well I guess I should I like to start this story John with saying that and this is kind of like story time with John and Paul this is probably we're using this to save the show. I wasn't actually going to release this on the show, but I think we need to save the show. Yeah, Where is my twitchy music? Oh, and, and while you're finding the twitchy music, yeah. the author of said picture, yeah, NWN Star Teams, Kevin Fiscus. Ah, <laughs> very nice. So when oh. I when I got that, it got sent to me, and I sent it to you guys saying a note from our sponsor. Well, that's gonna that's gonna cause you know a contract to roll in for NWN Star Teams. <laughs> <laughs> It was awesome. I can't find the story time with Twitchy music. Oh, Are you serious? Man. Oh, no, wait. I got it. It's right here. Ready? Haven't heard of this music in a while. Oh. I feel so fresh and clean so now. Fresh and clean. Twitchy yep. Nick. Is that vinegar? It is. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you remember, this music was also used in a 
douche so, commercial. So, I mean, this isn't like... It's not like as cool as like like Carlos's like post exploitation or like you know that kind of like exploitation type stuff. But as far as like finding some kind of weird vulnerability and trying to make the most of it, it was just really cool. I was so excited this week. Is this that what was, that smell was? It, this was like the the highlight of my week. So we we found this one web application. Man, you need to get out more. <laughs> I do. Oh, I so do. But so we found this web application. I don't even say what it is yet. Um. And no automated tool really did anything with it. I mean, you know, Nmap, Nessus. I mean, oh. John, we, we probably could have thrown Burp Suite at it, and that wouldn't Wait. have helped either, right? We need, to, we need to stop for a second, though, and step back. The customer came to us a number of months ago, and they were like, yeah, we're having a pen test done right now, and we think they kind of suck. <laughs> and uh, we said, well, why? Why do you think they suck? It's like, because they said our environment is clean, that they didn't find anything in our environment. We're like, oh that's bad they're like yeah we know that's bad so uh so we're on the heels of that pen test so they literally just finished with that one and then we started and i think this was day two of the pen test we found it yeah go ahead so we found this web server and we're like well that's interesting and i'm like for reasons that i won't mention we identified this as we found lots of stuff right but we identified this particular web server in this particular application as something we definitely wanted Want to, to focus explore. on because yep. we knew that we, you know, we had to report back to the client and tell them what we found and we needed something. So we're like, you know what? We're going to go after this. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's Cho- do it. Chosen for whatever reason it was chosen. For whatever reason it was chosen. chosen. And I, I'm going to preface this with, now, I work for the company that makes Nessus. Like, this is way above and beyond anything any automated tool can do because we're like, okay, we've identified the one web app and now we're going to go after it. That means finding the original, trying to find the original source code of the application Doing a wget-r, pulling down everything that is associated with the application, doing Durbuster and finding maybe any directory we might have missed, looking through all the documentation for the application, going with a browser to every URL Mm -hmm. within the application. And during that process, we realized that we could pass this one parameter to this one portion of the web application. We could pass it a URL. And what we found was that this web application, when we passed the URL, would start up its own process of a Java web browser, because it's a Java application. Yep. A Java web application that on my behalf would visit the website that I provided it and then return me the results. Oh man. So at first I was kind of like, well, Maybe I can get it to like render a PHP shell, an ASP shell, a Java shell, a flat like w- w- some kind of shell. Uh-huh. But like, no, 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 no. This is like it's actually invoking a browser, visiting the website that I send to it, and returning the results. So we were kind of frustrated at one point. We were like, well, I'm like John, what do we what do we do with this? We can do something with this. I know it. I can smell it. Right. <laughs> We were redirecting to Paul.com, and we thought that was cute. Yeah, we're like, but well, that's kind of cool. So John, you know, we redirected a web server that John was controlling, and he's like, well, it's an user agent. It's Java, and that's how we figured it was actually creating a browser session. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, maybe we can find a vulnerability in the web browser that it's using and redirect it to a vulnerable site, and they get shell in the system, right? No such luck there, right, John? Yeah, their, their IPS was... Smacking that down. Yeah, they were like, no way. What, did we try anything else? Um, yeah, we redirected it to a couple of browser exploits. We tried to get to download some uh, some Java sh- some Java shells at a Metasploit. No dice there. It was 
getting to the point where it would start sending the stage, and then the IPS would come in and yeah, kill it. and just kill it. Um, hmm. So, I mean, we're just ready to, like, throw our hands up, and I'm like, John, I don't know what to do. We're like, we need to move on to the next thing. And we spent a lot of time on it already. And then, I, I don't know where it came from. John blames this on me because we should have thought of it sooner, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have this epiphany, and I'm like, John, wait a minute, hold on. If the web browsing is initiating from a server that's already behind their firewall, I'm like, and we've got other data from other portions of the pen test that leaks some of the internal IP address space, I'm like, why can't we use this to browse their internal network? And he was like, this is all your fault. You should have thought of this sooner. <laughs> nice. I'm like, John, why didn't I think of this sooner? So we start passing it URLs of internal IP address space, like RFC 1918 non-routable yeah. IP address space, and we start getting responses. And then, like, we start going through, like, we start, like, going, I was, like, manually going through internal RFC 1918 space oh. of, like, all these sites and getting all these responses from, like, internal, all of this internal space. And then after, like, an hour or two, I'm like, John, that was great fun. Someone should write a script. (laughs) 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 So we had someone write a script that automated and basically port scanned on port 80 their internal network using this little Java proxy. And we're able to map the entire internal network. Based on port 80. Based on port 80. But it also, it does uh, does other protocols too, reading the documentation. Uh, It does support some other protocols. I was going to say, probably if if it's a full... Response, you would get a connection reset, or yeah. it would just hang, yep. and say connection timeout if the right. port was so open. So you could you could yeah. de- you could determine live host, you could determine host that were listening on port eighty, and then with the other protocols, potentially you could do the same thing on some of those other ports. Mm-hmm. So, Damn. customer was happy. Nice. Actually. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we wrote a dead. we wrote a and, and modified a custom port scanner to use the, <laughs> use this thing to intern yeah scan the internal network. And that, my friends, was the highlight of my week, believe it or not. <laughs> like I said, you need to get out you know, more, but that is Paul, pretty cool. I think it's interesting that our other test is not the highlight of the week, and we found like rampant like SQL injection, yeah. all kinds of hideous yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that wasn't fun. Um, no. The, the automated tool found a lot of that stuff. Mm. Uh, it's whenever you're finding things that automated tools don't detect, that's when that's, that's when it's fun. Mm-hmm. And this was this was incredible amounts of fun. So I like I said hours. I mean hours. Yeah. So that's that's yeah, it was very 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 addicting. Now the the interesting part was I do want to mention that it the proxy server and it took me a while to figure this out. I'm like, why did none of the links work on anything that I'm proxying internally? That's because the proxy server was rewriting any href tag, replacing the URL with the proxied Mm -hmm. one. So it was really hard to get functionality from what we're finding, but being able to use it as a port scanning tool was yeah. fun and enough. If anybody gets stuck in that situation, there's a really cool utility for Firefox web developer extensions where you can take post requests and convert them to get, and we were able to get some authentication attempts and actually get past the initial page of a number of different websites, such as converting um, our post data that you would normally send in into a get request, and then it would forward it through just fine. Yeah. Nice. So that was... Uh, Story time with John and Paul. Nice. I'm going to play the music again. Because I haven't heard it in so long. It's refreshing to hear yeah. story time with Twitchy music. It is, back refreshing. it is fond, refreshing. Fond memories. I miss Twitchy. Yeah. I miss Twitchy too. Ian, if you would be so kind, I would take another beer. Sorry. A little Beer's late. all around. 
but uh, sort sort of to that, and and we talk about you know finding this stuff out there and finding some automated tools. Paul, did you hear that Acer got hacked? Uh, no. Well, well, I did when well, I read your story in the show notes. Yeah, well, and, and, and it says Acer got hacked, and I'm like, Acer got hacked with those big air quotes. Um, not really, but yes. So on a forum, uh, an Acer employee gives up a, a support FTP site and an account to uh, a support site so you can, hey, uh, my driver for this is busted. I need a new one. Oh, well, go here to get it. And, um, you know, puts the site out there. It's been out there for quite some time. The account is still active quite some time later. Somebody stumbles across it and go, hey, I wonder what's here. Yeah, public FTP site out to the Internet for a company. You go and you log in, whether you have credentials from one of these forums or anonymous mm -hmm. or you name it. And then you start traversing directories. And you traverse directories and you go... I want the beer camp one. Yeah, <coughs> sure. I want the, the yeah. And you blackberry so, wheat, nice. So you start looking at some of the stuff. No, give me the drink it. You drink sissy it. on the behind the soundboard. Has he got another one already? Sissy behind the soundboard. That could be your new title. <laughs> give the man a little credit. He's at least a wuss behind the soundboard. He, he gave me the finger, actually. <laughs> so you go and start testing. You, know, you you find an automated tool that finds, oh, yeah, you've got anonymous access to this public FTP site. I don't care what they tell me. I go and check and verify whether anonymous access is possible. If it's possible, great. Then I start, great. They tell you anonymous access is available. They don't tell you the content of said data. Um, we found this on both internal and external pen tests all the time. Stupid, simple stuff that you get anonymous access to an FTP site and you start traversing directories and, well, you either find one place where you can upload data and potentially overwrite <coughs> files that are already there, which customers are downloading and you can include uh, malware, or you find customer data, such as the case like this, that it's, oh, well, great. We're, we use this FTP site for all sorts of stuff, and people start browsing through the directory structure, and they find a file that's like custom labeled "customer data 2010," and sure enough, there's all sorts of stuff, like username, password type information, on their public FTP site in directories that they think you know, security through thing. security through obscurity isn't the thing. It shouldn't be that freaking easy. No, it shouldn't. <laughs> I'm but just it, saying. It, it shouldn't, know. but it is. <laughs> yeah, it Guys, is. Guys, it almost always is that easy, though. I mean, there's always that low-hanging fruit somewhere. You know, I think you're right, John. I think every organization has some level of what we would determine to be low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that low-hanging fruit, I guess it depends on how damaging that low-hanging fruit is. I mean, yeah. you shouldn't have the low-hanging fruit, but if you do, hopefully it's not like game-ending for your company, right? But even if it is, it might still hurt really bad when someone exploits that low-hanging fruit. Like RSA. Their low-hanging fruit, I don't know if it wow. was low-hanging. Uh, Whoa. Someone mm, hit wow. them in the in the low hangers already. Wow, a couple yeah. times. Our, pa our paper is not going to get accepted now to RSA. Do you think they would sponsor the show? No, anyone? <laughs> anyone? Uh, I, I think their low I think their low hanging fruit got hit about forty million times. If you ask me. <laughs> Ouch! So, I saw that, that on YouTube last week. Point. Actually, it was what? Uh, that was you porn. No. Yeah. I got a general question for you guys. Yes. Yeah. Now they finally admitted that these that these uh, secure ID tokens were were compromised. Yep. Why yes. the 
were they saving these tokens? Do we do we think that they either A got the seed files or B did they get a hold of some type of implementation in the algorithm that allowed them to um, So from what I understand the algorithm is public, oh, right Carlos? No, it's private I think, right? Yeah. Carlos, go ahead. Uh, the algorithm for these seats are not is not public. The reason that they kept all of this information is that they wanted to do kind of a federated service that they were announcing that they were going to uh, push out to customers. Uh, the thing is that they never got around to actually deliver on that type of solution of federated services. So they were keeping supposedly all of that data for that service that they were going to develop. Okay, so question. Did they tell their customers that they were keeping the seed files, the ASD files and the XML files? Uh, Only after they were hacked. Oh, yeah, they told them they were keeping them, but they didn't really admit the extent of the hack, from my understanding, because if they admitted more of what happened and gave more details, they claim it would have given attackers information on how to execute Sports. attacks mm. against RS. But it turns out, as is what I've, from what I've read about the case of Lockheed mm -hmm. Martin, attackers figured it out anyway. Now... The other thing with the story is if well, RSA, right, security protects authentication, the authentication process. If you're relying that much for the security of your entire freaking organization on just the authentication process, you're screwed anyway. Like, yeah. there's other layers here. Yeah. You have to implement something, a layer like authentication, as just that, one layer yep. in your security. One thing that you do to help secure your organization. Now, I've also been told, and I don't know, people can dispute this or whatever. I mean, anything I say is probably mostly bullshit anyway. But So the other thing I've heard is that Lockheed Martin was not implementing security properly, that they were solely relying on the token code for authentication, that they weren't really using it as two-factor authentication. Mm. Now, no. I heard it was the token code and a four-digit pin. Yeah, so, yeah, and and even at that, so... But you, you, still, you still should have a... Like, the whole point of having a freaking key is that it's two-factor. Right. And well, the code that displays in there in the pin, that's one factor. That's not two, right? Mm, I would agree that... Th I would argue that that's two. It's one and a half factor. Like because you've got the token that's yeah. something you have. Another thing is a, a, a four... A four-digit pin could easily be broken. exactly, right. exactly. So, so, so something you have, something you know. You know the right. pin, you pin, you know. Pin, you know. The token, token you, have. you have. So but I would, thing you, I would argue thing that. You know, but if the thing you know is only four digits, it's bullshit. Yeah, right? that's I that yeah, that. Yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah. that's the typical one you see for t fairly typical installation is that that with a four-character pin, and you remove the thing that you have, you can brute force the thing that you know. Right. With. The thing you know Relatively. should be the freaking password, which should have password integrity yep. enforced, which should say it should be, yep. like, not four digits. It should be at least oh, be... Darren's 10, got something to say. 14. No, I'm just agreeing that... Darren! Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to choose a four-digit pin, so that's easy to remember, but it meets the criteria of what two-factor is. Something you know, something you have. Yep, but we, again, you take one of those... If you, yeah, if you decide to weaken what you have... You take or what you, you know. You take one of those out of there, and you're good to go. Yeah, it's interesting. What if you we, it, you have two-factor authentication, but what you have and what you know is really easy to acquire and or guess. Yes, <laughs> I guess that means it's <laughs> yep. really bad security, right? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> That's now, kind now, of interesting. Now, yeah, now, and, uh, uh, go ahead, Carlos. Yeah, and 
and, and we have been preaching this a lot in our webcasts and the podcasts and everywhere, and that is that you should have other controls in addition to that. Okay, they got into your VPN. Were you logging all of that information and you noticed that somebody was trying to password repeatedly and failed more than 10 times? Because to brute force a four-digit pen, it will take more than 10 tries. But many times, a lot of companies, what they do is, oh, we implement this. A lot of people are failing their uh, password Still. education with the RSA tokens. Let's bump Strong. up the uh, walkout threshold. Spell that. Um, and, and, and that opens right, the door I've, I've to this. It. I've had it. John, smell that. This. Smell, smell. My beer smells like fruit. It does. Blackberry wheat from uh, uh, Montreal. You know, it's funny. We were talking about soundboards before the show. Yeah. We, we I can't someone control my horny level. Someone totally needs to create the ball that comes out. Yes. My beer smells like fruit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and Carlos. So, well, I mean, my sort of things that that I find interesting that is, uh, I know that um, uh, Travis Goodspeed has been working on reverse engineering some of these RSA tokens, and he's got requests out there for people who've got tokens. Well, now potentially he's got forty million compromised tokens that he can have at his disposal. That's a lot of tokens. There, they don't release. What's that? What's that, John? The forty the, the tokens me. aren't released. Sorry. Oh, what do you mean they're not released? Like the ASC file. Right, right. Well, some folks can have those and are willing to, you know, they've got this token that they've got replaced because it's been compromised. Oh, what you're saying is, oh, okay. So you're basically, you could donate the ones that you have for your servers. Yeah, absolutely. You could donate the ones got you've got it. to Travis Goodspeed. Um, while Travis is also taking ones that you don't have seed files to that, you know, maybe you find on the street because he's... He's taking them apart. He's depotting them, and uh, he's poking at them with uh, syringes and seeing what they can do. He's actually revived a couple that have de that are dead already, and um, he's actively investigating reverse engineering uh, the RSA tokens. Hey, hey, guys! So, so something else on this topic, real quick. Mark, Mark Baga and I were we talking about this at lunch the other day, and <clears throat> like, who who ever thought it was a good idea to let? To, to use a system where your seed is held by the provider. I mean, why? But, but it, I, I never I thought that was a good idea. I mean, it seems to me like right off the bat, you just said, hmm, that's a vulnerability. I want to host my own seed internal to my network. Hmm. You know, and I'm sure there's companies out there that provide that. And, and in fact, Mark actually mentioned one um, that, that he knew of an alternative that does that, exactly that. You use some sort of crypto card, which allows you to load your own seeds on your RSA tokens or whatever. And I'm sure they want RSA tokens, but your own token. Yep. And, and you control that. You know, there's not a, a central repository for everyone on the market. Right, right. And, and, that's, a, that's a business move as opposed to, you know, I, I think if I, if I had the seeds, then, you know, I can sell you my, my tokens and you buy them from me. Yep. And it's, you know, then we have to go through this whole thing. You get locked in. You get yeah, locked you, in. I think you're, you're putting business in front of security, which is when you get things like this breach. Yep. And, and the yeah. other the other one that uh, I think was interesting was I saw a quote from Jeff Moss on this, you know, speaking of, you know, coming back to a full circle with our interview. We're trying to get him on the show, by the way. That uh, we, we saw, so I saw a quote from Jeff Moss that was basically, oh, I heard that uh, RSA has now got this new, like, half a billion dollar set up to store their seeds and his comment was well where were they storing them before <laughs> <laughs> clearly on something that didn't cost a half a million half a billion dollars or something like that it's like uh okay well yeah where were they storing them before someplace where someone could get access to them apparently speaking of seeds in siemens i, semen. I, I, I will bet you that the developers had access to those seeds 
so they could they could test stuff, and mm-hmm. and those seats were in developer machines. I bet. Did you guys hear about Siemens? No, I heard Who? about Siemens. Who? I heard about this. There Who? will be a Black Hat talk. Yeah. About uh, vulnerabilities in Siemens software. Yeah. So this is the. Oh, Siemens, not Siemen. Siemen, not Siemen. So this is the talk that uh, the gentleman decided not to give at uh, Uh, Takedown. Takedown Con. Yep. He will be giving at Black Hat. And it goes to show you can't just hide information, especially in today's day and age, right? Like we talk about privacy is dead, information. Mm -hmm. I mean, WikiLeaks. I mean, you can't hide. Well, I mean, you can, but it's much harder to hide information now than in the past, I guess is my point. And... With respects to vulnerabilities, if you're vulnerable, people are going to find out yep. and they're going to talk about it. And I think that the best way to combat this problem is to fix your issues. Yeah. <laughs> and then and it, it doesn't matter if people yep. talk about it because your issues are fixed. Yep. And admit it's it. It's simple, right? And admit it. Yeah. Th- th- speaking from admit our. It. Right. Speaking well, from. Yeah. We had He's spam speaking. in our Ning community, right? Yep. Okay. We use a cloud service for our Ning community. Yep. And guess what? It had spam. And guess what? I woke up one morning. Actually, it's kind of funny. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> Poor bastard. Yeah, because I, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, you know what? Well, I'm just going to go to work. And I got down on my laptop. And I was like, wow, look at that. Our Ning form is over with spam. I remediated the problem the best I could. I figured out what happened to the best of my abilities. I deleted the spam users. I went through all of our Ning settings and put forth all that. I wrote an email, communicated that to all of our Ning users and said, look, we had some spam. I apologize. Here's what I did to fix it. Mm-hmm. If you notice anything else, please contact me. And the funny part is, about an hour or two after that on Twitter, someone said, Paul.com's incident response is the best that I've seen in a long time, and I wish other companies would do the same thing. Admit we're the just problem. Doing the right, we're just doing the right thing. All we did was admit that we had a problem. And then explain to people what we did to fix it. Yep. It's not a hard. It's not a no. hard thing to do, no. right? Oh, we didn't try to cut. Co- yeah. Oh, it's Ning's problem. Right. No. Shit happened. Just like what happened with our stream. Darren and Ian look really stressed right now. Yeah. It's okay. Let's keep going. <laughs> oh, what happened? Boy. Did we lose an internet connection? No, it's not. So, oh boy. can I talk why I secretly love Lulzsec? You can. I can. And, and I'm going to sit back and drink beer and watch Darren and Ian struggle. struggle. Sorry, no, you're going to talk with me about this. because oh, about, talk, You know what? I'm going to talk with you is, about this. This Larry. is about one of our favorite people. This article is written by Patrick, Patrick Gray. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And quite honestly, I think he personally hit the nail on the head with this article about why we love Lulzsec. Oh, I have some thought. Go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. So to quote Patrick, Lulzsec is running around pummeling some of the world's most powerful organizations into the ground for laughs, for lulls, for shits and giggles. Surely that this tells you what you need to know about computer security. There isn't any. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think it's funny because Lulzsec mm-hmm. is doing what you and myself and everyone on this podcast, Carl's John, yeah, yeah. you know, Ian, Derek, wishes well, we could us, do. We've been doing for no, what we've been doing for a long time. Mm. We mean, we do it well, with permission, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we're breaking into these, all these major companies, and we're like, wow, you guys have some really glaring vulnerabilities, and we're able to break in. Yeah. But you got to convince someone to let them give you permission to begin with. That's fine. Yeah. 
Lawsec is doing it without permission, yep. which is not good. We're doing it with permission, uh, uh, but we've know, as, known... As, aside from their actions or ethics, right. right? Yeah, actions, ethics, permissions aside, right? We know the same thing as Lawsec does. Major major companies, Fucked. They're penet- they are vulnerable, yes. right? They can be penetrated. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing that, and we're trying to help them, Yep. right? And explain how we did it, and yep. help them implement creative defensive measures Lawsec is doing it and just being like ah bitches look. well <laughs> but you know, know what people are listening yeah but uh, yeah you know it, it's still not ethical I, right, I right. don't I don't want to condone people to go out and start attacking people right and make a big deal about it and then go hey we're helping mm. this I'm, is the secret love Paul this is the secret love it is kind of the secret <laughs> it's a good way of putting <laughs> it it is kind of the love. secret love this is, this is why I love Lulsec and this yeah, is yeah you know, aside, a uh, aside from the whole ethical issue, they're but they're, it's shit that we've known a for a long time, yeah. right? Like we've known that there's been these glaring holes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we're trying to ethically help people do that, right? Well, they're paying us to unethically, ethically help people do right. that, right? right? I mean, yeah. Lull, and they got a great Lull, logo. Right? Is hilarious. I like the it's recent one where they got the uh, ten thousand yeah. dollar reward, and they said, "Nah, we're all set. Thanks." Yeah, <laughs> and then someone said, "Yeah, you should donate that." That uh, like folks like Kevin Mitnick, I think he might have been the first one that said it. Said uh, that that company should go donate that ten grand to uh, the Bradley Manning Defense Foundation and stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, well. I like their logo. The so little, yeah, the I little, mean, the little guy that's got the, the glass, yeah, yeah, the wine, it, with the wine glass. They are cutting through the fud. I don't necessarily agree with the way they're doing it, but, but they definitely are. It is a wake up. It's a freaking wake up call, mm. right? I mean, well, it's basically saying I can take. A good number of organizations out there, I can specifically target them and I can get in. Yep. And it's I think a lot of organizations of are running now with their, uh, you know, under the assumption of, well, the likelihood of people attacking us and specifically targeting us is pretty low. So we'll just, we'll run, we'll fly into the radar, we'll save some money, we'll hit our bottom line, we'll make our investors happy, we'll make some money. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and then... But at like any given time... They could be hacked and just fall flat on their face, yep. and that, yes. that's what Lulsec is pointing out. That yep. and they're then, calling them out, I and mean, they're calling their bluff, right? Yeah, right, I mean, right. Essentially, and, what's and, happening. And then what happens is, uh, and maybe I got some some stuff mixed up here because I've been drinking. It's been a busy week, but uh, one of these sites that say we're drinking all week, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm still losing my job. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, hope you like my office. Wait a minute. What time do you guys start drinking? That's what I want to know. Like 8, 5, 5.01 p.m. every day. 5.01 p.m. No sooner. Right, right, right. To GMT, what, right? When it's, you know, <laughs> Shut up. God, I'm trying to save your job. In Australia, out. when it's 5.01, you're... I'm waking up. <laughs> you're drinking. Is that what you're saying? My bo- no. Kevin's just emailing, uh, emailing now and said 9 a.m. 9 a.m. That's it. Um... But uh, if you think about some of the one of the, the the stories that I read just before we came over here was that Lulzsec said, "Hey, we compromised a million accounts from Sony," and Sony's saying, "Yeah, no, it's more like like less than a tenth of a percent of something like that. It was only like a couple thousand accounts that they released. That they released. Well, yeah, that they released. That they released. But Sony should be able to tell what was transferred out, right? Oh, wait." Um, no. Do they have a DLP solution? <laughs> That's why I said, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, but you think about it, it's like now Sony's trying to go, oh, my God, no, a million? No, no, it's really only this little bit. And, well, 
Lulzsek has gone. Why? I secretly love Lulzsek. Lulzsek has gone and said, damn, bitches. Here's a million accounts. And now the company's coming back and say, oh, no, no, it wasn't a million. I saw the hangover part two with the Asian guy. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's freaking hilarious. I haven't uh, seen part one. Oh, uh, those are hilarious. Bitch, bitches love a million yeah. accounts. I mean, I'm the telling a, you. But the Asian guy talks like that. Through the, oh, it's just hilarious. Nice. So um, they are definitely cutting through the FUD, and I, and I do appreciate it. And hopefully it makes our jobs easier for getting people to help secure the systems and, well, get a freaking clue. And with that, get a freaking clue. We're going to take a short break and come back and wrap up the show. Woo! And we're back to say goodbye. Larry, what's the core discount code? Impact BSG. Nice. Uh, Larry and Carlos. What, wait, 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 what about this? Hey. Here? John. John? Yeah. Where's Wasted Strand? Actually not drinking tonight. <sighs> come to, La- come uh, to Las Vegas. And I promise you, if you come up to me... I will show you Wasted Strand. You will be... If you come up to me and you say, you know what? I Paul of Paul.com, and I, I listen to your show, and I, I love Wasted Strand. You will get a personal invite to come out drinking with John and myself and I, see and experience Wasted Strand. I love Wasted Strand. Wasted Strand for the for the Do I have to get in an person. invite? Do I have to get an invite? No, you just okay. come. Just come out to uh, Vegas. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> With Wasted Strand. Oh. Wasted Strand. With, not on. Four Wasted Strand. I don't know. But in any case, it's gonna be a long you don't shot. need an invite. You can <laughs> come out with Wasted Vegas. Strand. Yeah. Wasted yeah, Strand in Vegas. Wasted Strand's Strand. going to take on Vegas this July. So all of our listeners fun. that love Wasted Strand, come see me. I'm going to organize a Wasted Strand adventure. Wow. <laughs> Kevin just emailed me. Wasted Strand, Larry the Lush, and Drunk Darren. Yeah. <laughs> Passed out Drunk Darren. <laughs> Passed out Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos, thank you very much. You got some webcast next week securing protocols fail. Everyone tune in. Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna be a fun one. Mm-hmm. I then, didn't figure out yet what hundred percent. That's all right. Then, There's then, lots of protocols that have lots of fail and we're gonna help you with that. And two weeks following uh LBCAV. Late breaking computer factors. Late breaking computer factors. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Larry, Darren, Ian in the studio. Yep. MakingPaul.com yep. happen on wireless. We are the show. We didn't lose power. We maintained power. We lost wireless. My but we maintain power. My wireless works just fine. Everything's going to come back up, come out great in the release. <laughs> That's what she said. Larry, <laughs> why don't you make the over and out come out? Wow. Can you make the over and out come out? Over and out. Thank you.